and maybe now turn it up a little bit. Welcome to Arlington Theology on Tap. My name is Brendan God. I'm the Young Adult Coordinator for the Diocese. Thank you guys for coming tonight. I'm just going to make a couple quick announcements and then we'll let Father speak. So, first announcement, just a reminder, tomorrow is a holy day of obligation. It's the Solemnity of the Assumption. Go to www.masstimes.org for information on different masses. Also, I make that announcement because we also have a baseball game tomorrow. So I feel like it'd be bad if I told you to go to the baseball game but not to go to Mass. So, get to Mass tomorrow. Uh, or tonight, if there's a church that has a 9 o'clock Mass. Um, first announcement, Arlington Worship. Our next Arlington Worship, it would normally be the third Tuesday, or the second Tuesday. Third. It would normally be tomorrow, but it's not. Um, because of the Feast of the Assumption or the Solemnity. So instead, we'll be meeting on September 5th. Um, if you're interested in that, check out our Facebook page. Next month for Arlington Theology on Tap, we have uh, General Kelly McKeague and his wife Nancy speaking. Um, it's on September 11th, so they'll be talking about their, um, the impact of 9-11 on them and, and on our country, um, but doing it from a Catholic perspective. If you're interested in Catholic Sports Club, we do have Catholic Sports Club soccer and basketball running right now. Soccer takes place at St. Leo's on Sundays. Basketball takes place at Queen of Apostles on Sundays. And starting up next week, we also have basketball at Nativity in Burke. That's on, sorry, this Thursday. So if you're interested in any one of those, check our Facebook page for more details. Um, next Monday, we have Theology on Tap again, but it's in Fairfax, and that will be with Father Schultz. So if you know anything about him, he's hilarious. I highly suggest going to his talk. Um, and following him on Facebook, because that's where the... Most of his comedy is presented. So as I say, there's a young adult baseball game that's tomorrow. I wanted to advertise Mike Trout versus Bryce Harper, but Bryce Harper is out indefinitely. So go see Mike Trout, he's better anyway. It's gonna be a good game. We still have a few tickets available. I'm just kidding, they're both good, right? Um, but if you're interested in that, we still do have a few tickets online, so just go to our Facebook page or the diocesan page and you can purchase that. Um, as some of you might have seen at your table, we have some flyers. That is for the Diocesan Young Adult Mass and Reception. This used to be called the Bishop's Mass. We've changed it. This will be the 11th Annual Diocesan Mass for Young Adults. There is a reception, free wine and beer, a chance to be with the Bishop. So please consider joining us. That's going to be at St. Charles at 6 p.m. on September 10th. And that also meets your Sunday obligation. So. You have to go to Mass on Sunday anyway, why not do it with the bishop, and why not get free beer and wine? Last announcement, there is a young adult outdoor holy hour taking place at St. Mary of Sorrows Historic Church on September 12th. This will be the third year in a row that we are doing this. Um, we are partnering with Project Rachel for their holy hour, and it's outdoors, under the stars, it's beautiful, so please consider joining us. That is September 12th. And now to introduce our speaker, Father Daniel Mode. Commander Mode is a priest and decorated commander for the Navy. Father, if I say anything wrong, please correct me. I will. Okay, good. <laughs> he earned, 
and this is his, so hopefully I can't, but who knows. <laughs> he earned his undergraduate degree in philosophy in 1988 at the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus. He then attended Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg and graduated in 1992 with his master's degrees in history and theology. His history master's thesis is on the life and heroics of Navy chaplain Father Vincent Cavadano, was eventually transformed into a popular biography known as the Grunt Padre, which is what he'll be speaking on this evening. It became the catalyst for his main public speaking engagements regarding the life of Father Cappadano in the Navy Chaplain Corps. Chaplain Moe began his military service in September 1988 and was later ordained a Roman Catholic priest in 1992, serving in the Diocese of Arlington, also going between active duty in this diocese serving for the past 28 years, 29 years. His awards and decorations include a Bronze Star Medal, Defense Maritonis Service Medal, Maritonis Service Medal, Navy Commemoration Medal, Joint Service Achievement Medal, Combat Action Ribbon. We're delighted to have you speak, Father, and I'll give it up for Father Moe. joy to be back in Arlington. Um, I have been on the road a little bit for the Navy uh, the last since 2005. Uh, I was a reservist before that and activated in 2005 to go to Afghanistan. So uh, 83 countries later, I stand before you. So that's how many I have under my belt. Not all since 2005. But, uh, I, I grew up in the Navy as a brat and uh, continued that kind of missionary experience. I always tell people that I'm not a chaplain, I'm a missionary. Um, and I really feel like that in the chaplain board because we're sent to so many far-flung places and minister in some very unusual places like on the decks of ships or in the desert. Uh, but I didn't come to talk about that. I came to talk about uh, a priest I've gotten to know over the last uh, 28 years of my life. As soon as I raised my hand to become a Navy chaplain, they sent you off to Newport, Rhode Island, which is our Navy chaplain school. And there, there is a chapel dedicated to Father Capadano. At the time, there was a ship in the harbor of Newport called the USS Capadano. Uh, the street that the drill instructor ran us along every morning for our motivational run was Father Capadano Boulevard. Uh, there's the Medal of Honor hanging in the chaplain's school of Father Capadano, who received the Medal of Honor in his heroics in Vietnam. We knew everything there was to know about Father Capadano. We all looked up to him. And when uh, it was mentioned that I was working on my master's thesis in history, I decided to write about Father Capadano. And this, again, is 28 years ago. Well, I quickly discovered, even though he was such a famous Navy chaplain, and there's so much about him, from chapels dedicated to him, about 12 of them, a Navy ship, you see the Medal of Honor, statues to his name, so forth, nothing had ever been written about him. So I quickly decided, I'm not going to write about Father Cavanaugh for my master's thesis. I'll choose another topic, something much easier. Uh, but it bugged me. Why had nothing ever been written about this man? who was so heroic. And as I would go to bed at night up at the mount, um, I would think to myself, why did this man, Father Cavanaugh, want to be a priest? Why, why do I want to be a priest? Why am I drawn to be a Navy chaplain? Why was he drawn? Why did he become a missionary, a marital missionary? Why do I feel that longing to, to be a missionary, to, to go forth uh, to strange lands and strange people to minister? Uh, and so I got an itch, and I started scratching that itch. 
So for the next two and a half years during my seminary studies, I researched and wrote about his life, literally discovering the people who made up that life. And later on in my talk, I may go into some of those stories. But that gives you a little bit of background to who I call my second spiritual director, uh, Father Capadano, uh, growing up with him literally in, in the church and in the seminary and towards ordination. A man I never met who died six months after I was born became such a hero in my life and, and such a positive, powerful impact in my life that I wanted to share it. So let me tell you the last moments of his life, uh, which are always the most gripping. I usually ask my audiences to close their eyes, but we've been drinking a little bit, so maybe I won't do that. <laughs> um, but to imagine this scene, I had to imagine this scene, and again, maybe a little bit later on in my talk, I'll talk about uh, how I didn't have to imagine it anymore. I got to go to the scene. But um, imagine this scene. Uh, in just a few weeks from now, September 4th, we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of his death. So 50 years ago, on September 4th, which was Labor Day in the United States, imagine this scene about 50 miles to the southwest of Da Nang, a big port city in the country of Vietnam. We're in the midst of the Vietnam War. It was at almost its apex, its height. Uh, and Father Capadano found himself in the midst of this war on September 4th. He'd already been in country for 16 months, which was a lot longer than most everybody else who had been fighting that war. Usually they do 12 months and go home. But Father Capadano begged to stay with his Marines, and he got an extension for another six months. He was already on his third request for extension when he died on September 4th, 1967. So what was that day like? Again, it's 50 miles to the southwest of Denang. You can imagine heat, hot, uh, lots of rice fields, and, and a war. It was right before the eve of elections in uh, South Vietnam, and the North Vietnamese wanted to disrupt that election. Um, early in the morning, a company of 3-5, Kilo Company, uh, the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, was making a typical search and destroy mission in this local area in the Quang Tin province, in Li Li village. As soon as they walked into the village, they knew something wasn't quite right. It looked like a booby trap, and it quickly wasn't right. All of a sudden, this small group, company of about 150 Marines, met 2,500 North Vietnamese regulars. A war was happening right in front of them. Quickly, reinforcements were called in throughout the morning, and into the afternoon. Father Capadano was with M Company of the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, and they were also called into the battle a little bit later into the afternoon. Father Capadano knew that there was a battalion aid station that had been set up literally in the midst of that conflict, and that's where he needed to be most, where the wounded and the dying were coming to be received. He wanted to make sure he was with them for their sacraments. Father Capadano got on that helicopter with M Company of the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, making their way to, to literally that battalion aid station. However, in that flight of the helicopter, it was shot down into the midst of the hell of the war, in the midst of the conflagration itself, onto that battlefield. He got out with M Company, prayed with the men. They knew what they were facing. Between them and that battalion aid station lay this, this conflagration. Two platoons on either side of Father Capadano made a V movement into this area to, to engage the enemy. 
There's a quickly made or company command post on the knoll of the hill. Uh, and Father Capadano with the company commander was on the kind of the safe side of that knoll of the hill as those two platoons were engaging the enemy. He could hear all the gunfire, the mortars, uh, he could hear the screams, uh, people being shot. Uh, ultimately, he heard the radio operator, his name was Corporal Lovejoy, shouting on the radio, we can't hold out, we can't hold out, we're being overrun. Well, Father Capadano couldn't hold out anymore. He literally left across the knoll of that hill into the midst of the battle, finding Corporal Lovejoy, who pinned down under fire. Now, a chaplain never carries a weapon, and Father Capadano didn't have one. He only had the weapon of his faith. Diving to that man, he grabbed him and brought him back to relative safety. Time and time again, throughout that late afternoon, he would do the same. With the injured, with those who were pinned down and scared, he was with them. The Marines deployed tear gas into the area. The North Vietnamese don't have gas masks, so it's a way to disperse the enemy. Uh, all the Marines don their gas masks, except one who had lost his. Without a thought, Father Capitano took off his gas mask, gave it to that young Marine to continue the fight while he choked back the tears and the coughing. Uh, for that, he received his first wound of the day, which was through his right hand. Uh, a bullet went through the, that hand, disabling the hand. He was bandaged. There were medical helicopters leaving. He refused to get on him. He said, I need to stay with my Marines where they need me most. Uh, there was a Sergeant Peters. Sergeant Peters was an Orthodox man. He was mortally wounded. And he propped himself on a tree uh, looking at the enemy fire area, especially a machine gun nest that was getting the better hand of the battle. And he was pointing out to the men uh, where the, the fire should be aimed and exposing himself to the fire. And he knew he was dying anyway, uh, and he sacrificed himself. Well, nobody would go near him because anybody who would move towards Sergeant Peters would try to drag him off the battlefield was shot at, except for one guy, Father Capadano. Without a thought, he went to Sergeant Peters' side and prayed the Our Father with him as he died in his arms. Uh, for that, he received a second wound of the day in his right shoulder. Again, he was bandaged up but refused to leave the battlefield, now going with his arm uh, across the battlefield, his left arm. Uh, he took Sergeant Peter's rifle without firing a shot, ran to the side of a Marine whose gun had jammed, and gave it to that Marine to continue the fight. Ultimately, we come to the last moments of Father Capadano's life, and it involves a, a Corporal Ray Parton, who was sent out with two other Marines to put down that machine gun mess that I talked about that was getting the better hand of the battle. As soon as they try to make their way to get to the machine gun nest, they are quickly mowed down by the bullets. Uh, two men on either side of Ray Harton were instantly killed, and Ray was shot through his left shoulder, again lying on the ground. A corpsman, a corpsman Leal, ran to his side, Navy corpsman, and also a fellow Catholic, Ray was Catholic as well. They had just been to Father Capadano's Mass the day before on Sunday. Figuring that the next thing they would feel Corman and Corporal Ray Harden was a bayonet because the enemy was literally yards away. Uh, they wouldn't waste a bullet on them when they could just stick a bayonet into their belly. Instead, Father Capadano ran towards him. He first ran to Ray Harden. He cupped him on the back of his head, looked him straight in the eye, and said, God is with us all today, and you're going to be okay. And at that moment, Ray tells me the blood that was spurting out of that main artery out of his left shoulder stopped. And then he ran to the corpsman. And as he started to begin to pray over the corpsman who was shot through his legs, Father Capadano received 27 bullet holes through his back, literally dying on top of the corpsman. September 4th, 1967. So that's 
That's the heroic moment of Father Capadano's life. But the heroic moment of Father Capadano's life was played out many, many times before that, too. You know, you don't win a marathon because you just got out and started running, do you? And you don't become uh, a heroic man on the battlefield because you have no virtues or heroic virtues. It's because you've exercised that muscle time and time again. And Father Capadano did that. He grew up in an Italian-American family in Staten Island. Uh, grew up in a beautiful family, last of 10 children. Uh, and they called him Junior. Uh, he was a normal kid, a very good-looking kid. Everybody thought he'd be a doctor. He was really smart. And he thought he'd be a doctor, too. Um, he, he wasn't an altar boy. He, he didn't serve mass. He went to almost every day to daily mass. That's what he did. And uh, loved the faith. But he didn't have that attraction for it. He was going to be a doctor. He went off to Fordham uh, to study at the university and was thinking, now business. But it was during those long ferry rides between Staten Island and Manhattan that he read a, a magazine called Field of Far, which was written by the Maranol missionaries about these amazing missionaries who went to places like China and Korea and Taiwan. And he said, that's what I really want to do. And he discerned his vocation to become a priest. He entered the seminary. He'd spent eight years in formation and was sent ultimately to Taiwan. He spent six years there in the Hakka Mountains of Taiwan. Uh, caring for the Aboriginal people. Again, each of these moments are heroic moments where you're, you're flexing that muscle, that spiritual muscle of virtue, uh, so that when God was calling them to the ultimate spiritual muscle of virtue, he could exercise it perfectly for God's will. He did a beautiful job there, but after six years, he got to go home, spend some time with his family, but his superiors decided, you know what, you're going to be more well-suited for Hong Kong and a private boys' school there. We want you to be a teacher. Well, Father Capadano was obedient. He did that. But he thought, I spent all my years learning how to speak Hakka and Mandarin Chinese, and now I'm teaching at a private boys' school where they want to learn English. I'm in Hong Kong, which is a pretty nice place compared to the rugged mountains of Taiwan. He felt like a failure, like he wasn't the missionary he was called to be. And he begged to go back to Taiwan. The superior said no. While he was in Hong Kong, he would see troops coming on R&R from Vietnam. And the ships that would come into the harbor in Hong Kong, Victoria Harbor, US Navy ships, begged him to come out to celebrate mass on the ships, one of them the USS Boxer. He fell in love with it and knew that this was going to be his next mission field. So he begged his superior to go, not just to serve as a Navy chaplain, but to serve as a Navy chaplain serving with the Marines, and not just anywhere, but Vietnam. He got all those wishes. Ultimately, he became a Navy chaplain and was sent immediately to Vietnam, where I said he spent 16 months before he was killed. During that time in Vietnam, he lived an extraordinary life, a life that I found out because going back to the mountain where I was doing all that research, I had to find these people who knew him because nothing had been written about him except for a few scant articles here or there or his Medal of Honor citation, just the, the wave-top experience of his life. So this is back, believe it or not, before social media and even the internet. Uh, we had one pay phone that 40 guys used at the end of the hall. And we had no cell phones. Uh, we had one fax machine on the whole campus of the Mount at that time. And not just for the seminary, but for the whole university. Uh, so how would I get to know who these people were? You just couldn't Google them or put a uh, um, you know, Facebook notice out. 
So I put a free ad, because I had no money, uh, in, in Marine Corps magazines, like Marine Corps Gazette and Leatherneck and Navy magazines. And it was a small little ad in between all these other free little ads. If you knew Father Capadano, call this number, that payphone, uh, at the end of the hall. <laughs> yeah. A hundred guys called. <laughs> I discovered quickly that this wasn't just anyone. I'm touching something very sacred here. And these people are all Vietnam veterans. And some of them, for the very first time in their life, were telling me their story um, and doing it at great cost, emotional cost for themselves. People like Ray Hartman called that number. <clears throat> but when Ray called the number, I wasn't there. Uh, like I wasn't there for a lot of the calls. So people wrote down the information, uh, their name, address, and I would send them a package of what I was looking for. Some of them wrote back to me, some of them didn't. And I knew I had to respect that privacy. Ray was one of those guys who didn't write back. Well, you're saying, how do I know his story? How do I know any of those stories? Well, again, going through Ray's story, it would be 10 years later. Now I'm ordained and I'm at O'Connell High School. And out of the blue, I get this email. Are you the Dan Mode? We had email then. Uh, are you the Dan Mode that was doing this research about 10 years ago on Father Capitano? Yes. He goes, are you the one who, who wrote a thesis, a master's thesis? My book hadn't even been finished yet. Yes. Can I come and see you? I go, okay. He goes, how about tomorrow? I go, is this guy in the closet back here? No. He drove all the way from Georgia, 13 hours, uh, to meet with me, to tell me his story. As soon as he received that letter 10 years earlier, asking for that information, it brought back that flood of me memories, and he had extreme survivor's guilt. Here, the man who was caring for everybody on the battlefield medically died trying to get to Ray Harden. The man spiritually, who had no weapon, died caring for Ray Harden. And Ray lived. I don't deserve to live. So he pulled out a gun and he shot himself in the same left shoulder, trying to commit suicide. Uh, he'd find himself for a year in recovery, not only for the wound, but emotionally. It all came out. Uh, and, and he heroically was able to contact me and come to see me. He had never set foot in a Catholic church since that moment because he was not worthy. Uh, he, he got married, but he was not married in the church. Ray then came back to church, came back to the sacraments. I validated his marriage right there at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg with his wife. Ray has since passed away about a year ago. But since those moments, he became an advocate for Vietnam veterans and told his story so that other people didn't have to bury their story. Those are just some of the amazing gifts that I've received, just one story of, of countless thousands that I've received over these 28 years of knowing the story of Father Capitano. Every time I um, open up a, a, another chapter of his life uh, with the experience of knowing somebody who know, knew him, whether it was a family member, a fellow priest, even a parishioner in Taiwan, it's an amazing gift to me to see how this man was much more than the person who died on the battlefield on September 4th, but a heroic man who may be declared a saint someday. His cause has started for canonization. He is a servant of God. Uh, and just recently in May, we concluded what's called the diocesan phase of the cause, which took 10 years. And now it is in Rome doing the, the Roman phase, where they're going to investigate 12 possible miracles 
uh, dedicated to his name uh, and his um, inspiration and intention. Uh, Father Capit, and I'll tell you about one of those miracles, but hundreds of what we call moral miracles as well. People who've come back to the faith, people who've uh, left their addictions, people who have uh, healed themselves through some of the PTSD wounds that they've had, whether in Vietnam, or people who never knew Father Capitano in our current conflicts, who, because of Father Capitano's story, have had courage. It's been a beautiful gift to see all of that. One of the miracles I'll tell you about, and it involves a story of me actually getting to go to that battle site. So I always wanted to go to Vietnam. I always wanted to see, but I've been picturing in my mind for years and years, uh, the place where he died. And I just had one wish, to celebrate Mass there. So ultimately, one of my new assignments was assigned to Japan. I was the command chaplain of an aircraft carrier, the George Washington. George Washington. And we went to many different ports all over Asia. And when we weren't going to ports, and when I had a little bit of lead time, I tried to go to other countries. And so uh, imagine this, though. You know, Vietnam is still very much a communist country. The church is, is almost tolerated, not quite. And here was this Navy chaplain officer in the Navy coming from Japan on an aircraft carrier asking for a visa from the government to go there to pray at Father Capitano's site, who was a Vietnam War veteran. Uh, maybe they wouldn't say yes. They did. And ultimately, I made my way there, was able to get to the spot with GPS and some guides, and offer mats there. It was a sacred moment for me. Well, one of the connections there before that was knowing of a, a, a sister in Vietnam, a religious sister in her 30s, who had ovarian cancer. And she got, got diagnosed in Hanoi, but she was diagnosed that uh, they couldn't do anything for her. One, because of their lack of medical care there, but also it had advanced so much. But they said, if you know anybody in the United States, there could be a possibility of care or treatment there. So they knew one priest who was a Vietnamese priest who now serves in the Diocese of Newark, New Jersey, and wrote to him. I don't know this priest, or at least I didn't know him at the time. She then wrote to him, said, please come over here. I'll get you to a doctor. As soon as she arrived, this priest had a great love of Father Capadano, and he's buried in Staten Island with his parents at St. Peter's Cemetery. This priest, the first thing he did with his religious sister is bring her to Father Capadano's grave, lay her on the grave, pray over her. And then about a few days later, she went for her first medical appointment with a few x-rays she had in her hand from Illinois and the doctor's reports. They did an MRI, complete scan. Uh, they said, unfortunately, we can't help you either because there's nothing there to completely cure. This is about five years ago. She's been doing fine back in her orphanage in Vietnam. So at any rate, going back to that story of me traveling to Vietnam, I get on my flight in Japan, uh, on the Japan Airlines flight going directly to Vietnam, and as I walk on, I see a fellow priest, a Vietnamese priest, and I just introduce myself. Hi, I'm Father Mode. He goes, you're Father Mode? Well, it was that priest from Newark, New Jersey, who just about a year before that made all these arrangements for the sister. And right next to him was this really tall parishioner, an American guy, with a big pendant around his neck, a picture of Father Capadano. And underneath was a little vial, and it contained dirt from Father Capadano's grave from that moment where they brought that sister. So obviously, we had a wonderful flight there. We separated, I told him what I was doing, that tall man gave me that vial of dirt and 
asked me to place it on the place where Father Capadano was killed, which I did. And then I took that vial, scooped up the dirt from that mass in that area, and brought it back to military archdiocese in Washington that's at a room dedicated to Father Capadano. One of Father Capadano's sayings, or sayings about Father Capadano, is that a missionary never stops working even after he dies. Because immediately after his death, there was a report of his death in the New York paper, and a man who knew Father Capadano as a seminarian, who had left the church many years before, read it with tears in his eyes, went back to church that night and went to confession and told the priest, I'm coming here because of Father Capadano. And then he said, I guess the missionary doesn't stop working even after he dies, does he? And I see that time and time again through my work with Father Capadano and the experiences that I've had, the people and the lives I've had the, the, the beauty to touch and be a part of. Um, again, Father Capadano's cause is continuing on uh, with so many other miracle stories coming forth and other experiences. Um, I know I only have a half hour, but just at a half hour, as I told Brendan, I can speak on Father Capadano for three hours or, or, or for one minute. A half hour is tough. Um, but I, I want to also open it up to questions, too, and that might uh, lead to other topics as well. Um, the bottom line is, Father Capadano is a beautiful gift, not just to those who knew him, but people like me who never knew him. Uh, he's a gift to not only people in uniform, but people who uh, are in civilian life. People of no faith, people who have wonderful faith, Catholics and non-Catholics alike. All of them have been touched, all of them have been witnesses to me of Father Capadano's life. I can't tell you the tears in my in, in others' eyes that I saw through an Episcopal chaplain uh, talking about his relationship with Father Capanano and how he declared him in his own life a saint. Um, so he's a, a common man who appeals to all, and that's a beautiful gift of what a saint should be, someone that we can look up to, not just a hero in a civil sense, but truly a hero in a spiritual sense because a missionary doesn't stop working even after he dies. Praise peace. So, happy to answer any questions. Yes, please. Katie. Sure. Uh, first of all, there were ten siblings. One died shortly after childbirth, uh, so there were really nine uh, into adulthood. And I only got to meet five because 28 years ago there were only five left, and now there's only one, a sister, Gloria. As you can imagine, you know he was the youngest, <coughs> and he would have been in his late 80s now. Uh, so, uh, so they're an amazingly resilient family for sure. Uh, but just talking, especially to his sister Pauline. He had a brother, Jim, who received posthumously the Medal of Honor, and Pauline, who really hosted him all the time when he'd come back from his different missionary experiences and from the seminary. 
Um, and when I first did the initial research, I went to Pauline's house, and I got to stay in the exact same room that Father Capodanno stayed in, and literally laid on that bed, uh, the last bed he ever stayed in in the United States. Since this time, by the way, I not only went to Vietnam to explore where he'd been, but I've been to every place that Father Capodanno has been, uh, including Taiwan. I've been to the mountains that he missioned at, which, by the way, now has a church because of Father Capodanno. He wrote a letter back when he was a missionary saying, someday I would love to see a church here. Well, after his death, people saw that letter, was exposed, and, and donated a lot of money for it. But the church was never built. And uh, during my research, I discovered that all this money was collected. Even the architect had done, done designs. The place had been laid out, but it hadn't been built. So I kind of exposed that. <coughs> well, there's a church there now. <laughs> and uh, it was a joy to see that church. But the amazing thing, in this mountain village, I got to meet a person who knew Father Capodanno, who was a catechist with him. He's now an older man, obviously. But he was a young catechist that Father Capodanno taught. And, and he was so overjoyed that I would make that trek to get to not only Taiwan, but that part of Taiwan. Um, I've been to Hong Kong. I've been to those very piers where he saw those Navy ships. I was on one of those Navy ships coming into Hong Kong. I got to stay in the very room where he wrote the letters to his superiors asking to become a Navy chaplain. Uh, so it's been a, an amazing joy to touch those things, including his own family members, uh, tangibly. Um, you ask about the cause, you know, a cause is God's job, not our job, right? Uh, it's all about God. And it, and, and the cause is not about the person, because the person is a saint or is not a saint, you know. Uh, he's in heaven, he really doesn't care, <laughs> you know, he's in the beatific vision. Uh, but it's for us. We need our heroes, right? And if God wants us to have this particular person as a hero, he's going to advance that in his own way. And it has been somewhat, in a, in a human sense, frustrating sometimes to deal with some of the, the hoops that you got to go through and bureaucracy. Imagine this. When I, you know, I, I'm not a theologian in the sense of knowing all the norms of, of canonization. So a person encouraged me. They said, Father Mode, you have to do this at least. You know, okay, I've written the thesis, I've written the book, what else do you want me to do? You want me to, you know, start his cause? How do you do that? So I, I went to Rome, actually, and I went to the cause of saints, knocked on the door of the congregation, I said, hi. Um, and they told me, they gave me a book. And I said, okay. Um, and at this point, I'm a chaplain at the high school, and so in my part time, I figured out, okay, we need, one of the, the interesting quirks of the cause is that the only diocese that can start the cause is the diocese in which the person died. Now, 99% of the time, that's probably where the person lived and worked and moved and had his being, right? But for Father Capadonna, that obviously wasn't the case. That still the norm is there, and you have to stick by the norm. Now, that can be waived, but for good reason. Well, you've got to have the Vatican establish that that was a good reason. And they said, well, you've got to write to the bishop of Denang and ask him to relinquish the cause to another person who's willing to accept the cause. So now I had two problems. I had to write a letter to a person I'll never meet uh, in English that needs to be translated into Vietnamese, asking about this priest who was killed in 67. How do I do all this? You know? So ultimately, uh, I did that, went through diplomatic pouch, and 
a year and a half later, there was a response. Because you can only imagine, it's a, it's a communist country, everything had to be done secretly. Um, now on this side, which bishop would accept it? Now I won't go into all the interesting intrigue about that, but you would think bishops are like, yeah, I'll do that. No, they're thinking, I don't know how to do that. How do you do that? You know, I've got lots of other things i got to do, build churches, and, you know. So uh, ultimately, though, the military archdiocese, which seemed like a natural fit, did take up the cause. And so it was in 2007, so 10 years ago, where that whole thing was uh, approved by the Vatican as a man who had heroic virtues. They declared him a servant of God, and I became the postulator for the cause. So, long answer to short question. Jerry. So, I was wondering if you knew uh, all the different memorials and monuments where uh, you would find uh, his name or him mentioned. Absolutely. I can't give you a list right off the top of my head. If you want to go to Taiwan, there's a beautiful chapel dedicated to his name. Uh, the closest memorial to him is the Father Capadano Chapel uh, down in Quantico. Okay? So you can go down to Quantico, uh, go to the Father Capadano Chapel. Staten Island, where he's buried, I encourage you to make that pilgrimage. Uh, and there is not only St. Peter's Cemetery, but there's also a chapel named after him at Fort Wadsworth. And every year, I'll be up there on September 3rd offering the Father Capadano Mass. Uh, and outside of that is the statue of him. Uh, it's a beautiful, larger-than-life statue of him at that last moment praying over the corner. It's very beautiful. But obviously, social media, you can Google that. And on the Archdiocese and website, they have a list of all the memorials where you can find them. And we're going to give out a brochure, too, that will have kind of a timeline of Father Capadano. And also, I have prayer cards to him, too. But I'll, I'll, I'll mention that again as we conclude. Another question, way in the back. Thank you for your presentation, sir. Um, was the primary source for your thesis uh, people responding back to your, your inquiry, so it wasn't in Vietnam? Yes, I mean, it wasn't just Vietnam, but it was his family members, his friends, and also documents. I needed documents. Literally, I went to the church where he was baptized to get his baptismal record. You know, I uh, one of the key documents I wanted was that file, his military file. So this is kind of an interesting story. It's kind of a Raiders of the Lost Ark story. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, so they told me I, I just started in the military, and they said all the records were kept in New Orleans, but there was a flood. Imagine that, New Orleans, a flood. And they had to get all the records and move them to Norfolk. Oh, a little bit closer, that's good. But there's a lot of damage, and we had to throw out a lot of records, and it's very disorganized. It's in the basement of this old hospital, Navy hospital. But you're welcome to go there and have at it. So I spent a week there, one Thanksgiving, going through all these old, musty records, trying to find if Father Capadano's father was there. I found it. It's like the, the, the grail, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, and it's in this government warehouse in the shelves, you know, and I found it. I opened it up, and there was his original death certificate from Vietnam, and on the side in pencil was the name Pauline, sister, and a phone number. And I just picked up the phone and dialed it, and she answered, you know, and that became a connection with the family. And so one led to another. We've got time. I think I've got to be 30 to answer questions and stuff, but um, this is an amazing story. So <clears throat> I only knew one person who actually knew Father Campadano before these 
ads went in, the free ads and the phone calls, the, the payphone and all that, and his name was Fred Smith. Well, the, his brother, Jim, told me about Fred Smith, who was a first lieutenant in Vietnam in M Company of the 3rd Battalion 5th Marines. Well, here's the first person I knew that I could get the actual, no kidding, live interview with to talk about Father Capadano in the battle. And his name was Fred Smith. And how would I find him? Well, his brother told me, it's easy. He's the CEO and founder of FedEx. So, I wrote to Fred Smith, the CEO and founder of FedEx. <laughs> now, this again is while I'm in the seminary, and I wrote him this letter saying who I was and that I'd like to interview him, and he never responded. Again, not untypical, not untypical. But I did get a, a check, just a check, and it was a FedEx check, so I knew it had to be from him, for a couple thousand dollars where I bought my very first computer. This goes back to 1989. Uh, and uh, I, you know, it has as much power now as my watch. Yeah. But I needed a computer to start, you know, putting in all this information that I was getting. Well, how did I finally get to interview Fred Smith? Because if you buy, or if you get the book, he's uh, on the cover of the book. He, he adds his story to it. Um, well, he saw an episode of me on EWTN with Mother Angelica, where I'm talking about Father Capadano. He's not Catholic, but his wife is, and all his children. And they're watching it together, and she nudges him and goes, Did you tell me about Father Mother? Why don't you call him? <laughs> and so he calls me. Now, I'm again at this point at the high school, and another long story short, but uh, I'm building a pro life memorial at O'Connell High School. You can go to O'Connell today and see it. It's a beautiful Carrara uh, marble statue of the Holy Family. And um, it was literally hand-carved in Carrara, Italy, which is the same marble that Michelangelo used to, to make the P.A. top and the David and so many other beautiful works that he did. So I was going to have it transported, obviously raising all sorts of money to, to, to get this uh, actually carved, but also a huge expense was shipping it, that, you know, this ton statue, back to the United States. Well, the shippers couldn't guarantee shipping. I wanted it before the close of that school year. Uh, okay, well, another hurdle. Well, again, Fred Smith calls me and says, hey, I'm, let's talk. So he invites me to his Washington office. He says, I'm flying into Washington, um, and he, he lives in Memphis, which is their headquarters, uh, which I've been to, too. Uh, we've become friends, and he said, you got to come to Memphis. i got to show you what I really do. Uh, so at 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm with him in a golf cart, driving all over this huge plant of FedEx, seeing how the jets come in and how they do it in an hour. But anyway, so I go to his office for the first time, and he tells me this powerful story. Uh, and, and some fun stories, too, how we lost in poker to Father Capadano. Uh, but how he always admired this man uh, way before his, his passing, and everybody did. Um, so at any rate, at the end, he's literally with tears in his eyes. The first time he was really talking about Vietnam. And by the way, he became a very uh, an advocate for veterans' causes. And right after that, he, he signed on to be one of the uh, um, promoters for the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. So oh, again, one, one thing led to another. But at the end, he tears in his eyes. He goes, Father Mother, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, no. Can I call you friend? I've got a ton of a problem though. And uh, he gave me his card and he said, call this card, no problem. And literally within a week, it was flown FedEx from Ferrari, Italy 
to O'Connell High School. He even provided the crane and lifted it onto his pedestal. A missionary does not stop working even after he dies, my friends. And Father Gavadana certainly has not. Yes. Sure. You know, interestingly enough, when I first got back to the diocese about a year ago. Oh, okay. Uh, how has Father Cavanaugh personally influenced my life as a priest and as a chaplain? So when I first got back to the diocese about a year ago, uh, the very first group that asked me to speak to them was my very first parish assignment, St. Mary of Sorrows in Fairfax Station. And uh, so I went back to the parish to speak to them, and that's exactly what they asked. It's the first time I'd ever been asked to speak about Father Cavanaugh in a very personal way. And it's kind of going back to my original family, if you will. I spent four years there. So it was kind of an interesting talk that I gave. Um, and that lasted about an hour and a half. But I guess the wave top of that was, you know, obviously wanted to be a Navy chaplain. I grew up in a Navy family. But Father Capadano really solidified that. Because it's not an easy job. No job is. And any vocation you do well, married life, single life, uh, religious life, priesthood, is not going to be easy. But the call within a call to be a chaplain is also kind of being that missionary is, it has its challenges, its special challenges, let me tell it that way. So learning about his life has helped me to say, don't be so you know negative about that or frustrated about that. I've done it too. You can do it, Father. Okay, got it. He's been a buddy, if you will. So imagine this scene. I'm a reservist now. The bishop wouldn't let me go out to duty. This is uh, Bishop Keating at the time, and then Bishop Laverty. Uh, and now I've become the pastor of Queen of Apostles Parish, and I've been there for four years doing reserve work. Obviously, 9-11 happened. They were calling up reservists right and left, and I kept on telling the bishop, it could be my time. I, I don't know. And if you don't want me to do this, I need to leave the reserves now. I need to re resign my commission. And, and Bishop Laverty kept on saying, no, that's okay. So imagine this. 2005, Holy Week, right before Easter, Tuesday, I get the call. Within one month, I was in Afghanistan. So imagine this, going from being the pastor of a pretty beautiful parish with wonderful souls. Uh, I had a fireplace in my office. <laughs> to being a lieutenant chaplain on the battlefield, carrying a toothbrush in my pocket, literally going on the road for 22 straight months to 51 different forward operating bases, moving every 2.5 days. Father Campanano was there every step of the way, without going into much detail, every step of the way. Good question. Any other questions, thoughts, words? Yes, please. What, uh, what helicopter was uh, Father Campanano shot down? A Huey. The, 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 the Quintessential Q, yes. Yeah, uh, from the old 46 guy, thank you. Aviation joke. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions, comments, words? Well, I stand between you and some more beer. But before you do that, uh, we do have, uh, we'll put it up here. Casey, you've got the, the pamphlets. So we'll put them up on this stand. Any, anybody would like some more pamphlets. But I would, and I'm also going to leave these prayer cards of Father Capadano here. Um, I had the privilege to write the, the official prayer of Father Capadano for his cause. 
and I, I wrote it not knowing you know, that his cause was going to start, but it was for my own father, who served as a, a Navy captain, served for 30 years in the Navy, and he died of esophageal cancer. Uh, but before he died, uh, I, I wrote this prayer uh, through Father Capadano's inspiration for my own father during his own uh, encounter with his mortality. So it's a very personal prayer, for sure. But in it, I ask uh, for people to pray for whatever issue they have on their battlefield of life. So before we offer this prayer, and I'll offer it for all of us, maybe if you could silently think of a battlefield in your own life or somebody else's life. It could be a person, it could be an event, uh, you know, something that is being combative right now in your life. So to place that in your heart and intention right before we close with this prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May God, who has offered healing and strength through the intercession of His only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, may He offer and grant through the hands of His healing hands, through the intercession of His servant, Father Capadano, priest, missionary, and chaplain, who always sought to heal and comfort the wounded and dying on the field of battle, May I be granted the same request on my own field of battle. I truly pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And one closing commercial. On the 30th of this month, uh, on EWTN, and it'll be run many other times, but it's the premiere of it, as a new documentary, it's the second documentary done on Father Capadano, but a new documentary that's been done on Father Capadano, and really no expense has been spared for this documentary. It's an hour and a half long, uh, it has the most incredible interviews, and I've known all these guys for years, and I cried watching the roughs of this uh, video being made. Uh, and it is truly a spectacular video that I know is gonna spiritually touch the lives of many about Father Capadano's life. So I encourage you, if not on the 30th of this month, to watch it, but to get a copy of that or to watch it online or streaming. Uh, and it's called Called and Chosen uh, by Father Capadano. Thank you.